Well, good evening and welcome again to Sunday night service here at Moody Church. We're excited tonight to continue in our series as we're looking at the life of Noah. And so tonight we're going to be opening God's word to Genesis chapter 8. And so I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, to go ahead and turn there right now. Um, Genesis is the first book in your Bible and we're just in Genesis chapter 8 tonight as we continue this series in the life of Noah. One of the, the big things, in fact, the biggest thing that's happened in my wife and my life recently is four months ago today, actually, our daughter, Aria, was born. And we had a kind of a weird time through my wife's pregnancy, given everything that happened with, with COVID the last few months and stuff. And so we actually went in to the, to the hospital that day. Um, we were scheduled to be induced. And if you've ever gone into a day like that, either you or your spouse or someone close to you, you know it's a day filled with lots of excitement and anticipation. This child that you've been waiting for for months and maybe even for many cases for years been praying for is about to arrive. But this thing happened when we went in, we're all excited, we drive down, we check into the hospital, we get ready to go, the doctors, the nurses come, they say hi, they visit you, and then you're, you're hurrying up, you're getting in the room, and then you sit there and you wait. You get all excited, the anticipation's ready, but you just sit there and you wait, because as you know, labor is not a short process, it's something that takes many, many hours, in some cases actually for some women, many days of time to come. And it just reminded me of that expression that, that we hear sometimes in our lives, that life sometimes seems like we need to hurry up and wait. To hurry up and wait. There's things in our lives where we're filled with anticipation. We hope something may come, but then it just becomes a time where we have to just sit there and wait. And waiting is hard for all of us. None of us want to wait. None of us look forward at times where we have to wait. But waiting is a regular part of life. Lots of our lives involve waiting. Waiting for things in relationships, waiting for things at work, even waiting for things from God. And tonight we're going to look at a story as we continue in our series, um, again, in Genesis chapter 8 in the life of Noah. And tonight as we look at Noah's life, we're reminded of this fact that in our waiting, God is working. In our waiting, while we wait for God, God is working. And it can seem like times in our silence and when we're waiting and nothing seems to be happening, that there's nothing going on. But this story reminds us that in our waiting, God is indeed working. Well, we are now in Genesis chapter 8. And the flood has come down on the earth. All of the earth has been destroyed except for Noah and his family and the animals that are on board the ark with him. And the last phrase, the last verse of chapter 7 kind of set us up and it says, And the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. Months of silence that Noah and his family and the animals are now floating around on the ark. But chapter 8 starts with this. Verse 1 says this, But God remembered Noah. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. So tonight in Genesis chapter 8, we're going to see three keys to waiting on God. Three keys to waiting on God. And the first key is this, is that we need to rest in God's remembrance. 
The first key for us in waiting on God is to rest in God's remembrance. I love that phrase in verse one, that God remembered. There is uh, such a thing that scholars often try to, to look at when they, when they organize and structure sections of scripture. And one of the ways that they look at things is there's often something called a chiastic structure, a chiastic structure or a chiasm. And it's that a story will often kind of parallel and point to this way. And then on one thing it hinges and then it parallels itself to the end. And they said that when you set this story in Genesis chapter six to nine up, there is one middle section. In fact, there's one middle phrase that hinges that the whole story depends upon where the tide of everything starts to turn. And that is this phrase, God remembered, but God remembered. This phrase is the center of the whole passage, the whole story actually. See, all was going downhill for the world, right? Judgment had come, destruction, chaos was abounding in the world. But then it all changed with this phrase, but God, but God. And that's a phrase that's repeated throughout scripture where it seems that things are going one way and then suddenly it says, but God intervened. For me, when I think of this phrase, the most important place for me is in the book of Ephesians chapter two, which describes our condition this way. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we were dead in our sin, deserving of wrath. And then verse four, but God. All of this was going down, but God, and it hinges and it lifts us up when God starts to act, when God intervenes, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. See, no matter how hopeless, no matter how dark the situation may seem, God can turn it around as he did here. So it says that God remembered, God remembered. Now that phrase that God remembered is covenantal language. So God remembered the relationship that he had made with Noah and with his family. It's, it's an expression of God was going to be faithful to the promises that he has made. It's not here as if God had forgotten Right? It's not like God had taken an extended lunch break and gone on vacation. And suddenly he was like, oh shoot, Noah is still floating about on a boat. I had entirely forgotten about Noah. No, that's not what it means. But, but it's an expression that God remembers his people, that he will not forget us and he will be faithful to his people. That God will not forget, God will not abandon those who are his See, there's uh, an expression that's come up in, in recent years called ghosting someone. Ghosting someone. Now, Halloween's coming up, so maybe you're thinking, does that have something to do with that? No, it doesn't have anything to do with that at all. Ghosting someone is actually um, having no, excuse me, it's to stop 
having any form of contact with the person you were dating, talking, or sometimes even living with. So a typical situation where someone would get ghosted is this. They're dating someone and one party thinks things maybe are going fine or okay, but the other party doesn't. But rather than break up with them, rather than sit them down and have a conversation face-to-face, rather than give them a phone call, send them a letter, rather than even just sending them a text, they just ignore them. They go from dating to just being totally ignored, ghosting, having nothing to do, not showing up, ignoring calls, ignoring texts, having no contact at all. Can you imagine, maybe some of you have been ghosted by someone. Can you imagine the feeling on the other end of just being utterly ignored, utterly dropped by someone who you thought was important in your life? But sometimes some of us can feel like we've been ghosted by God. Sometimes we may feel ghosted by God. We had a good relationship with God. We felt intimacy with God. We heard from God, yet suddenly we're not hearing from him anymore. Some of us feel forgotten or ghosted by others. We feel forgotten by our bosses who don't seem maybe to appreciate what we say. Maybe you feel forgotten at home by your spouse. Maybe you feel forgotten by your kids. And yes, as I said, this also happens when we feel forgotten sometimes by God. For me, I know the biggest time where I feel forgotten by God is in times where I'm not getting, where I'm in seasons of unanswered prayer, where I don't know the answer to the prayers that I am praying. And if you're in a season where you're persistently seeking after God, but you're not hearing from him, it can be easy. Our hearts could lie to us and tell us, well, God has forgotten you. God has moved on. God has ghosted you and he's gone on to someone else who he cares more about than you. But if you are a child of God today, I just want to remind you that God has not. God will not. God cannot forget you. He remembers you now. No matter what your situation may be, no matter how many days, weeks, months, years it's been since you feel like you've heard from him, if you are his, God knows you. God remembers you. And God will be faithful to you. And so when we are feeling anxious, when we are feeling ghosted, when we are feeling forgotten, We need to rest in God's remembrance, reminding ourselves of the fact that he does remember his people. And even in this situation where for Noah, he had floated around for months at a time, God hadn't forgotten him. God remembered, God knew right where he was and was going to be faithful to him. Rest in God's remembrance of us, reminding ourselves that in our waiting, God is working. So God remembers his people. Verse one continues. It says, and God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Through the rest of this chapter in chapter eight, lots of the words and expressions that are used to describe the receding of the waters and and the life that now comes about on the earth use the exact same words that we find in the creation account of Genesis chapter one. And this is insinuating that just as Genesis 1 was the first creation, Genesis 8 now gives us this new creation of this new world into which Noah is about to enter. So the waters begin to subside. 
The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. And at the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. So he waited another 150 days. So we have several hundred days now of Noah waiting for the waters to recede until the ark finally starts to come to rest on the mountains, not a specific mountain, but in the mountains of the area of Ararat, which is most likely what we would consider today modern day Armenia a very mountainous region, kind of north of the Middle East. It says in verse five, the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month on the first day of the month, so now we're a couple months later still, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. So a raven goes out to scout kind of over the land, but this raven comes back and forth, but there's no necessary signs of life yet that Noah sees. So verse eight, then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot and she returned to him to the ark for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her in and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back this time to him in the evening and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Verse 12, then he waited another seven days and sent forth a dove, and she did not return to him anymore. See, the second key to waiting on God that we see in this verse, practiced and modeled for us by Noah, is this, to preserve in patience, to persevere, excuse me, to persevere in patience. Notice the prolonged length of time. At first it was 150 days, then another 150 days, then many more months, then 40 days, and then seven days, and then seven more days. And this just keeps building over and over and over again as Noah has to continue to persevere in patience as he waits for this world that God is recreating now for him to step foot into it. See, it's hard to imagine Noah's mindset at this point. It's hard to imagine what's going on in his heart and in his mind, in his conversation with his family. It's interesting, uh, as I was listening and reading um, about this passage this week, I listened to a sermon on this passage from many years ago. And the pastor said, can you imagine what it's like to be stuck in a confined space with just your family for weeks and months on end? And interesting in this time of life in COVID-19, perhaps some of us could be like, Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. We might have a a small glimpse of the, the mental state, just the emotional toll that this was taking on Noah. Months and months and months of waiting. Let alone, can you imagine the smells that Noah was putting up with? I'm sure that that there was so much excitement and and anxiety and wanting to get off, looking forward with anticipation that, that they would be able to get off, but they had to just keep on waiting. It's repeated for us that word waiting multiple times here in chapter eight. 
See, in the silence of God and in the waiting times of God, it's important for us to continue to practice patience, to continue to practice patience. And if you're anything like me, patience is something that you struggle with. Most people, I think, struggle a lot, or at least at times, with being impatient. I had a conversation with some friends a few weeks ago where we all talked about how one of the things that we had to change in this time where people are home more and the people we're talking with are are working from home and now their kids are doing school at home and all the stuff is at home is they're saying, man, my internet speeds are just getting so slow that we all talked about the things that we were doing to help upgrade our internet, upgrade the Wi-Fi at our house because just connecting to things was so slow. And then there was kind of a pause and we just kind of sat back and interacted and be like, man, can you remember the old days when it took like five minutes to log on to the internet just to check your email, let alone to try and load a web page or a video? Like, can you imagine what that would be like now when we are so used to just instant access and pulling up everything and live streaming everything right away? Maybe some of you tonight as you went to log on for this service were just waiting for the page to load. And after about five seconds, we're like, what's going on? Why isn't it loading? Maybe I need to refresh. Maybe there's something wrong with my connection. What's going on? See, we are often impatient people. And commenting on this passage, I love what one commentator pointed out. He said this, that trouble in our lives often comes quick, but retreats slowly. The flood came quick, but retreated slowly. And the effects of the flood retreated slowly. And difficulty in our lives comes quick and it often then stays for a lot longer than we wish it would. I was listening this past week to an interview with Gordon McDonald, who is in his 80s and is a well-known pastor and writer. And he was reflecting on a time in his life many years ago where he had gone through a very long process for a prominent ministry role that someone had sought him out after. But he was kind of led right to the end, but then the other candidate was picked and he was not. I loved in his honesty, he just shared, hey, he, he wishes that he could say, listen, I, th- I wish I could tell you that I was fine. But just from the devastation, the disappointment of that, it's a, he says it took him three to five years, he felt like, to really recover from what he had gone through. See, oftentimes it's a long period of healing, of waiting through some of the difficulties of life. But it's often in those periods, in those times where we have to wait, where God is doing his greatest work in our lives. See, patience is something that we need to persevere in that we need to continually practice over and over. Because get this, patience is grown in our lives. It's not given. Patience is a character trait in our lives that is grown. It's a fruit of the spirit that's grown in our lives, not given. I often joke with people that perhaps the most dangerous thing you could ever pray for is to pray for patience. Because God's not just going to give you like a magic dose of patience. God will bring circumstances into your life, which will allow you to grow in patience. See, God just doesn't magically give us patience, but it's through persevering in difficult times. Patience is a lot like a muscle. 
And it's through the constant repetitions of stretching it, of growing it, of pushing it, that that muscle is grown. So when we are in times of silence where we need to wait, when we need to wait, I just want to remind you tonight to persevere in patience, to persevere in patience, to not give up, to not lose heart, to not lose sight of God and what he may be doing. But in times of difficulty, in times of trouble, we can stay patient, knowing that in our waiting, God is working. And so Noah had waited for days, for weeks, for months, for over a year. Till Genesis 8, verse 13 says this. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, so notice it was the first month, we're now another over a month later, he's still waiting in the ark. On the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. After it had dried out, then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Language very reminiscent of Genesis chapter one. So Noah went out and his sons and his wives and his son's wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. So this long period of waiting had finally come to an end. And when the time was ready, God spoke and then Noah left the ark. This gives us the third key to waiting on God. The third key to waiting on God, which is this, walk according to his words. Walk according to his word. See, Noah kept on waiting. He kept on waiting until the time that God spoke. And then when God did speak, Noah responded in obedience. See, if, if there's a legacy of Noah's life, as we look at his story here, it's that Noah was an obedient man to God. Now, Noah's not perfect. And if you hang with us in two weeks, we're going to certainly see that, that he is not a perfect man. But Noah was someone whose heart was set towards obedience to God and obedience defined his walk with God. See, in one sense, as, as the world was finally drying up, Noah was probably excited to leave, to finally get out. And yet at the same time, there's probably a wave of mixed emotions, of possible fear. He was entering into an entirely new world. He had been in a very safe space on the ark for over a year now. There was a lot of risk in leaving. What would happen when he left his place of safety. But when God spoke, Noah obeyed. When God spoke, Noah obeyed. And the challenge to us when we are waiting is when God speaks, will we obey? When God speaks, will we obey even in times of waiting? 
So, you know, you might say, well, I, I, what do you mean God's speaking? I don't know about you, but I've never just been sitting at home or sitting in my car driving and I've audibly heard the voice of God. Like God rarely, and I don't think we should ever expect for God to communicate through us through a voice like how Noah heard. So how do we know if we have heard from God? For Noah, we're like, man, if God came down and spoke like that, of course I would do it. So how do we hear from God today? A few ways that we hear from God today. The first way that we hear from God is in his word. The Bible that God has given us, that says it contains all that we need to practice life and godliness. God has given to us and the challenge to us as followers of Jesus is to not merely be hearers of the word, but to be doers as well. And so God speaks to us. He communicates his will to us through his word. And if you are waiting and you're wanting to hear from God, but you're not regularly opening his word, you are closing yourself off from one of the main ways, in fact, probably the primary way that God speaks to his people today. And so even if you're waiting, even if it's been months that you felt like, man, I have not heard from God, don't close your Bibles. Keep reading scripture. Open your word because as God it speaks to us as we meditate and read his word. So the first way we hear from God is through his word. The second way is through his spirit. The Holy Spirit that God has given and indwelt each and every believer. Now the Holy Spirit is not like a voice in your head that will audibly talk to you that you can hear from. But the Holy Spirit, when we are submitting and sensitive to him, will guide us and lead us through life. He will guide us in our decision-making, in, in, in our thoughts. He will, he will shepherd us in a life that's pleasing to him. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, make it a prayer daily. Just say, God, I want to submit to your spirit today. God, would your spirit lead and guide me today? And then secondly, just be, be aware of him. So block out some of the noise from your life. See, sometimes we don't hear the spirit in our lives because our lives are just filled with so much noise and busyness and other things. But God has given you his spirit and that's how he can, you can hear from him. The third way that we hear from God is through his people. Third way that we hear from God is through his people. I love as Pastor Lutzer, our Pastor Emeritus used to always joke, I don't often hear from God. I don't often hear God's voice, but when I do, it sounds a lot like Rebecca, who is his wife. See, it's through God's people that God often speaks to us. And if you are in a season of waiting, where you're waiting to hear from God, man, it's important that you surround yourself with God's people. They can speak truth and life into you. They can help you understand God's will. They can pray for you. And so don't disconnect yourself. Don't isolate yourself from others just because you're in a period of silence and waiting on God. It's often through his people that he speaks to us. For many of us, 2020 has been a season that a lot of us had plans and it all went wrong. A lot of us had plans that have been put on hold. A lot of us are in seasons of waiting. 
waiting to see what our world will be like, waiting to get back to church, waiting for employment, waiting so we can go see family. There's a lot of waiting that we're doing in our world. I mean, I was just thinking, it's been over six months now. And when all of this started, none of us, I don't think, thought that we still wouldn't be back to kind of normal life. And it can be easy in the midst of difficulty and hardship like this to be frustrated, to get angry, to just want it all to be over. But I hope this passage tonight, as we see even in Noah's story, this prolonged period of time that he has to continue to wait on God will encourage us, will encourage our hearts that God remembers us, that we need to continue to be patient and we need to be those who are obedient to his word. That Noah's story reminds us that in our waiting, God is working. In your waiting right now, God is still working. God, we thank you that you are the God that we can wait on because you are faithful to us. You remember us, you know us, God, and you will always act for our good and for your glory. God, I pray for those tonight who are struggling, who are tired, who don't want to wait anymore. God, tonight, would you encourage our hearts? Would we persevere in patience? And would we be always ready to listen to you and to obey whatever you have for us? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.